I have been talking to several people who have given up on God, who have abandoned their faith only because they have experienced some form of church hurt in a congregation. I want to talk about how to recover from church hurt. Stay tuned. I want to talk about the spirit behind church hurt is self-righteousness. Now, I know self-righteousness is not only exclusive to church people or the church world or a congregation in particular, but it is a very broad subject. One doesn't have to be associated with church in order to be self-righteous. But because most of my audience is acquainted with the visible church and have had some type of religious affiliation, I do think it's necessary to hit on this subject so we can know the causes, consequence, and the cure of self-righteousness. Now, a self-righteous person is a person who has an attitude of superiority. They think that they are better than others because they have somehow arrived to perfection. And that is so far from the truth. They have a distorted view of themselves. They have a distorted view of the righteousness of God. And they have a very distorted view of others. A self-righteous person has an attitude that offends people from the start. It's like a person going outside smoking a menthol cigarette and then walking back in getting directly on an elevator that's filled with people. The person who smoked the cigarette is not really affected by the smell, but as they breathe out, the other people are being affected. They can smell it. They're breathing out funkiness, their breath of bigotry. They're breathing out moral superiority. They're breathing out, I'm better than you type of attitude. And it stinks. Their disposition stinks. And sadly, many people who are self-righteous, they are blinded from their own self-righteousness. So it's kind of hard to see yourself as being self-righteous. That is, of course, the Holy Spirit of God reveals your bigotry to yourself. Okay, so let's get into this. Let's do some definitions. I think the first thing we need to know is what is righteousness? Righteousness is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. At least that's the definition um, from like Webster's Dictionary. But a deeper meaning or the spiritual meaning of righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God including character, that means your nature. It includes your conscience, that means your attitude. And it includes your conduct, your actions, and command, your words. Righteousness is therefore based upon God's standard because he is the ultimate lawgiver. Now, what is self-righteousness in comparison with righteousness? Well, self-righteousness is a feeling or a display of usually smug moral superiority de derived from a sense that one's beliefs 
actions or affiliations are of greater virtue than those of the average person. So there are two things I believe that leads to self-righteousness, um, particularly in the church, and that is the erroneous teaching of perfectionism. Perfectionism is that teaching that it is possible for a believer or a Christian in this life to reach a position where he no longer commits sin of any kind. And I've met plenty of people who teach this type of doctrine that they don't sin, that they don't make a mistake in life, that they have somehow arrived to perfection in this life. And that's the breeding ground for self-righteousness. Those people that think that they don't sin um, are most likely full of pride, full of bigotry. They have a smug attitude that they're better than you somehow, that they are the ultimate example of 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 godliness and righteousness. And, and that's just not true. Another teaching that leads towards self-righteousness is legalism. Now, legalism is an erroneous theory that one can become right with God by obeying his law. You can look in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 to verify that. Um, this error is seen clearly in the lives of the Pharisees who taught that their obedience was acceptable to God. Now, we're going to go into some scripture here in our next segment about what does the Bible say about self-righteous people. So we need to understand that perfectionism and legalism are the breeding ground for self-righteous people and the self-righteous attitude that follows. So exactly what does the Bible say about self-righteous people? In Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14, it talks about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus is telling a story to illustrate self-righteousness. In verse 9, he begins, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. The I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, let's get into what are the consequences of self-righteousness. When Jesus tells parables, he tells them so some would understand and others wouldn't. It's my prayer that you get an understanding of this subject because I believe it will heal your hurt, but it also will save you from hurting others because you see the truth.
Now, in Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14, we read it in the previous section. However, I want to talk about the consequences of that self-righteousness. Jesus says, you will be humbled. You will be humbled. If you don't humble yourself, then there's coming a force of God that will humble you. Another thing is you will be lonely. Self-righteous people will be lonely. Notice in verse 11, the Pharisee was standing by himself. Even though he was praying with God, it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit was with him. It doesn't even say that the tax collector was with him because there was a great divide between the tax collector and there was a great divide between God and the Pharisee. Self-righteous people have a gulf between the community. People who they're trying to reach don't even want to be touched by them. They usually stand by themselves. Are you a giant in the faith, but yet you don't have any friends? Nobody like to be around you? Maybe your faith isn't the exact faith that Christ came to reveal. Maybe your loneliness is the judgment of your self-righteousness. Maybe you think you're all that and you're not. Another consequence is you will have a stagnant congregation. People who are self-righteous, they wonder, why isn't my church growing? Or why is everybody getting offended by what I'm saying to them? It's like they're not getting it. They can't get it because only God has this special anointing on my life. And I'm the only one to understand this kind of stuff. Uh, yes, your congregation will be stagnant. Another consequence is you will have a bad relationship with both God and man. God does not intertwine himself with people who feel they don't need him. And when you think that you have somehow arrived to perfection by your religious deeds or your perception of who you are, you're going to cause a bad relationship, an estranged relationship with God. Yes, you have a relationship with God. God has a relationship with his creation. But whether that relationship is on good terms or bad terms, it relies on you. It relies on what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, and how you relate to God. And it's also going to cause you to have a bad relationship with other people. Here's another consequence. You will be offensive to others in how you talk and how you carry yourself and the attitude that you have with them. So a self-righteous person cannot hide their self-righteousness, just like the man who just got done smoking the menthol cigarette could not hide the fact that he just was outside smoking. Because everything that's coming out of him, his pores, his hair, his breath, it all says menthol. And that's exactly what the self-righteous person does. It all says, I'm better than you. I'm, I, I got a special relationship with God that you don't have. Another one is you're going to be an, an ineffective witness for Christ. A self-righteous person is not a good example, is not a good witness, does not have a good testimony for who Christ is because 
Of course, they think that they're righteous. Why do you need Christ? Why is Jesus important when you can talk about yourself? You can learn a lot when you listen to people in their sermons, whether they're talking about themselves as the example or whether Christ is the example. Another consequence of self-righteousness is you will be a hindrance to the advancement of the kingdom of God. People will not come to the kingdom of God because a self-righteous person is not good towards others. They're only good in their own eyes. You will be a hindrance to the advancement. You don't want to do that. Now, here is the biggest question. What can we do to avoid being self-righteous? What can we do personally to not get involved with this type of attitude? Because it seems to me that once a person gets saved, then they begin to trust in themselves for sanctification. And they think that just because I fast two times a week or I give my tithe, I give my offerings, I always go to church, I never miss a service, I pray every day, I read my Bible every day. They think that somehow their religious deed has now placed them in a different category. And though once you are saved, you are placed in a different category, it is not by your works that you have been placed in that category. You are now in the body of Christ, not because of anything you've done, but because of everything Christ has done. So the first thing that we must do, or I believe, is to trust completely in the righteousness of God that's found in Christ. Don't trust in nothing about yourself because you're not able to save yourself. You're not saved by your own works or obedience to the law. You must trust completely in the righteousness of God found in Christ. Number two, you must acknowledge the unrighteousness and sinful disposition of yourself. And of all of mankind, all are sinners. None are righteous. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And if we do not acknowledge this, we are on shaky ground of now going into self-righteousness or self-pity. We don't want to go to either extreme, but we must stay balanced as revealed in the scripture. Number three, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in your own estimation. If you're thinking too high of yourself, well, think about God and think about how high he is, how mighty he is, how strong, how perfect, how great he is. And then look at yourself. See that he can create everything and you can only use the things that he created. Put yourself in the proper position. And that is under the mighty hand of God in your own estimation. And number four, recognize that you are not the standard of what's right and what's wrong. You might look cute, but you are not the definition of beauty. Come on. You might be blameless, but you are not the definition of righteousness. Uh-huh. You might have faith, but you are not the author of that faith. 
recognize that you, in and of yourself, you're not the standard of what's right and wrong. Jesus is the standard of what's right and what's wrong. You want to steer away from self-righteousness, beloved. That sanctimoniousness is that quality of acting as if you are morally better than others. You're not better than nobody else. I bind that holier-than-thou attitude of moral superiority. I bind that narrow-mindedness of moralistic thinking. We must come into agreement with what God says about us because then and only then will we be convinced of the righteousness of God that's found in Christ and not convinced of our own righteousness as we compare our actions and beliefs with other people. Jesus is the standard. There are certain attributes or perfections about God that he does not share with us. In particular, his omnipresence. God is everywhere at the same time. We are limited in our humanness to where we can only be one place at one time. So we don't share in the attribute or the perfection of God as it relates to his omnipresence. But when it comes to the subject of the righteousness of God, God makes it possible that we in our humanness can share in that righteousness. The righteousness of God is that perfection of God by which he as the Holy One acts in perfect harmony with his law. It is also called the justice of God by which he rewards good and he punishes evil. So when we look into the Bible, like scriptures, Psalms chapter 36, verse 6, or Psalms chapter 48, verse 10, and Psalms chapter 119, verse 142, or Romans chapter 1, verse 17, and Romans chapter 3, verse 22, we see that the righteousness of God has been performed in the human, the man of Jesus Christ, and he accomplished righteousness for us. And based on our faith in Christ, we are now reckoned, we share in the righteousness of Christ. It's not that we have attained righteousness, but by virtue of our faith, we share in the righteousness of Christ. This is a perfection of God that he allows us to participate in, but it's not based on us. It's based on Christ. Now, once we come into relationship with Christ, then we can live a righteous lifestyle, but not because of who we are. It's because of the opportunity Christ has given us. I want to go deeper in this. Stay tuned.
I want to go deeper in the subject of participating in the righteousness of God because our faith is rooted in the righteousness of God. Now, here's an important word that you need to remember, and that is the word justification. Remember in the story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18, he talked about the tax collector walking away justified because of his view of God and his view of himself. Let's revisit it, that scripture. In Luke chapter 18, verse 14, it says, And I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, when you look at yourself based on who God says you are and not based on who you think you are, then you are in a right relationship with God because you see yourself as God sees you. And when you are justified by God, it is the act of God, God as the judge, in which he graciously forgives sin and declares us perfectly innocent in his righteousness. Now, see, some people would be like, well, I don't want to see myself as a sinner. I don't want to see myself as morally bankrupt. I don't want to see myself as bad. I want to see myself as good. I may have done, may not have done some of the most atrocious things that people are doing, but I'm not bad. I'm not like the rest. I haven't killed nobody. I haven't ate nobody like Jeffrey Dahmer. I haven't did anybody really wrong. Only thing I've done was probably stole some bubble gum or took a pencil from work. That's not that bad. You got your categories. But once you realize that, hey, I'm a wretch undone, I'm a sinner then now you see yourself for who you are and who God is. And you see him in his relationship with you, him being so high, so perfect, so beautiful, so gracious, and you being so low and so low down and so dirty and so sinful. He scoops down from heaven and he makes a way for us to be made in his righteousness. He makes a way for us to participate in something that we are all together not. We are unrighteous. And he says, look, I'm not going to leave you in that place. I'm not going to leave you in a hopeless fate of unrighteousness that's doomed for destruction. Instead, he makes a way. He sends Jesus. Justification is an act of God, the judge, in which he graciously forgives your sin. And he declares that you are perfectly innocent in his righteousness. Now, this declaration is based on the perfect righteousness of Christ, which is reckoned or imputed to the believer's life. This blessing can only be received in the way of faith. 
And if you want to, you know, do a little research on justification, I would recommend that you read Romans chapter three, all the way through verse five and piggyback on Galatians chapter two, verse 16 through 21. I'm telling you, this is the best teaching of God that will revolutionize your walk with Christ, your view of yourself, your view of God, and your view of others. I pray that there was something said today that has really helped you understand the spirit behind church hurt, how self-righteous people hurt people, and sometimes they don't even know it. I believe that God is using this teaching to uproot something in you because you got to birth your dream. You got to be free from the opinions of others, from the shackles and the handcuffs that people has put on your mind. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. In other words, God has not changed his mind about you. He loves you. He has made a way for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've been. It doesn't matter who you are. God knows your ending from your beginning. For those who struggle with self-righteousness, I pray right now that you see yourself as God sees you so that you can open up your relationships again so that you can heal from the inside out and that you can live as a healer to others instead of hurting people. For those who have been hurt by self-righteous people, can I tell you that you should forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They've been caught in the delusion of moralistic thinking. They're thinking that somehow they have attained to righteousness in and of themselves. They don't appreciate the atonement and the sacrifice of Christ. They don't see themselves as humble under the mighty hand of God because they actually see themselves as the mighty hand of God. But they are only mighty to hurt and not mighty to heal. So I pray that you find it in your heart to forgive those who have hurt you and to allow God to come into your life. Don't have a distorted view about God because people who represent God represent him wrong. Okay? Some people are ignorant of their behaviors and you would only do right to forgive, to let go, to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and allow him to lead you and guide you. I can sense that the Lord is uprooting something in you because you are impregnated with so much potential and it's time for you to give birth to your dream. Don't allow the spirit behind church hurt to stop you from moving forward into spiritual things and to walk into your destiny. When people are condescending, when they when they think that they're more important than you or you think you're more important than them, you only limit yourself in the things of God. So don't think of yourself less important or more important. Remember, 
that you are important. Don't have a superiority about yourself when you think that you're better than other people because you may have more, your clothes may be more expensive or your outer features may be more favorable to others or you might be light-skinned, dark-skinned. There's no superiority. We all are created in the image and in the likeness of God. None of us are better than the next one. And if you have been caught up in this, it's okay. Repentance is about the exaltation of God's perspective over your own. So it's easy to change. All you have to do is acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways, and he will get you the right perspective about life. Decrease yourself and increase Christ in your thinking. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, beloved, and everything that you've been praying for is going to take place. You're going to go from prayers prayed to prayers answered. A good friend of mine shared with me a post, and I'm going to end with this, and it read, Be humble and never think you are better than anyone else, for dust you are, and unto dust you shall return. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am Herbert McLean, Herbie Mack. God is good and he is greatly to be praised. Be sure to follow us on our social media everywhere, YouTube and podcast at Apostle Herbie Mack. Or for more information about our ministry, go to the website at www.ApostleHerbieMack.com. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved.